This episode is sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast raiding the temples of nostalgic filmmaking yet again as we cover the Indiana Jones films in light of the new one, Dial of Destiny, directed by James Mangold. I'm Mark Lintemeyer, always up for an equitable whip for idle exchange. I'm Al Baker, and I think this podcast belongs in a museum. I'm Sarah Lindbrook, and uh, Mark, let's make a deal. Throw me the idol, and I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> okay, now that now you, you actually put wait, it... Wait, wait, can, can, I, can I be introduced in the damn podcast? Go Am ahead. I not a podcast member? Golly! My name is Lawrence Weir, and I'm full of dread about this conversation we're about to have. <laughs> Kalima, Kalima, Lawrence. <laughs> I think this uh, the new film and our conversation will reach into your heart and rip it out without any sort of... <laughs> All right, now we're going to insert here some audio that we recorded 10 minutes ago before we decided that we were actually going to have this conversation now. The time came. We're now a week after it has been... More than a week? At least a week after it's, a week, it's come yeah, out. A week, a week. I think it was two weekends though, right? Or is it just last weekend? The 30th. It came out a week ago okay. today. Just because I saw it on 4th of July, it felt like there was a second weekend in there. An opportunity... And it was packed. I was, yeah, I I was know what second row. That was like all that was left was, was the front of the theater. But somehow, Lawrence, this man who usually has seen three uh, of any given, given film we cover three separate times before we uh, get around <laughs> to it. Tell your story, Lawrence. Hi, guys. This is Confession Time with Lawrence Ware. I grew up loving the Indiana Jones franchise. I had a bull whip that I made. I had a hat that I stole from my grandfather. I love the series. And back in the day, they used to give away VHS copies. I believe it was at Burger King. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe you go to Burger King, get like a kid's meal, and they give you like VHS copies. And so I went to Burger King many times, got all the movies. I then made my parents buy me the VHS triple box thing that you could get. And I also had the fourth video set with the young Indian. Like, I love this series. I love it a great deal. When the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, I was very excited. I joyfully went to the movie theater expecting a great old time, and it was a terrible movie experience. And so it put within me a deep-seated fear of the Indiana Jones series being ruined. Well, then when the next movie, when this movie came out, and I heard from friends of mine who saw it at Cannes, I was like, oh, shit, they ruined it. Like, they're going to they're gonna completely ruin my love of the franchise is going to completely ruin one of my favorite characters of all time. And so when the time came for me to go to the movie theater, I drove to the movie theater. I bought a ticket and I just sat in the car and I didn't go in. And so oh, no. don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Aww. Don't laugh at me. That's and trauma. So I, That's a really heartbreaking story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And so I am terrified. We've all done grad school, right? That just reminds me. Yeah. Of- yeah trying to arrange, like, a, a failing to arrange a meeting to see my advisor because you're just terrified oh, of what might happen. I, I feel I've like the, sa- the same level there. of the same level I've of anxiety. And so yeah, I have so I much anxiety. I have so, so much that- anxiety about seeing this movie. And that's the reason why I haven't seen it. It's not because I'm not committed to the podcast. <laughs> I want you guys to know I'm committed. I'm, like, yeah. really struggling. Really struggling. I feel you. That dread sometimes, at least for me, can work in my favor so I was dreading this experience too, but you may find yourself pleasantly surprised. However, Al just completely like torpedoed by what he just said a few seconds ago. I can promise you it's better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I only saw for the first time completely yesterday because the first time I watched it, I, I turned it off after 20 minutes. And I was pleasantly surprised by, by Crystal Skull, even though it's like it is resolutely a terrible movie. But... The new one is nowhere near as bad. Nowhere near as bad, yeah. Okay, so a, a friend of mine has already seen it. We can't go into spoilers because I don't know what happens. But he said, like, the very ending of it is kind of depressing about the Let's prospect talk about or it. something. Oh, God, I want to talk okay. about it so okay. bad. Okay, okay. Uh, my <laughs> suggestion is I think we've, we've had a case where Al has not seen the main film before. And maybe people listening to this have not seen the main film. I think we should just do this right now and we should include i think we should i should record an intro and then you should and then everything that we've recorded so far should be on the record because it's a it's a touching story and it's part of the 
the phenomena that we're dealing with this. So I'm voting for this. What is the majority vote? Are we doing no spoilers for the last? No, film? we're going to. I think we should Lawrence spoil. Get, Lawrence gets spoiled. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's going to spoil. That, he deserves spoiled. to get spoiled, and I don't think. <laughs> I don't think the spoilers are really going to impact. No. Your, level of enjoyment. Of but we could. We could, as I often suggest, we could not lead off with spoilers from the new film. We, you know, Please there's don't. a lot to talk about with this as a franchise. I want you guys to know that Mark is very mean. Mark is a very mean podcast. <laughs> he's very mean. <laughs> This is nostalgia of nostalgia, right? So at this time, you know, we're now dealing with just like with the new Star Wars films, with all these things, nostalgia for a franchise from our childhood, which was in turn nostalgia by George Lucas for his childhood in the the case of both Star Wars and Raiders that were both these crappy serials, Zorro and stuff like that. And in particular, this really weird jungle adventure format, which... Lawrence, we talked about a little bit in the context of Black Panther comics. Like they grew straight out of this super racist jungle adventure genre, but it was a huge thing in what the 30s, the 40s. Has anybody actually seen 30s, 40s? Like yeah. a whole film of this I've kind of I've seen a lot of them. Oh, you have? Yeah, I've seen a lot of them. It was like 30s, 40s, I think 50s, but mostly 30s, 40s. And they were like serialized. So it would like be 10 minutes, you tell a story, and then you end on a cliffhanger, and then you like, come back and your heroes like figured a way out of the cliffhanger. So yeah, it was about 40s, 30s, that time period. And we have other things that gesture at this. I mean, some of the Jurassic Park stuff is sort of, even if it takes place in present day, it's sort of, we're going back to that. There's going to be giant monsters. There's just the general adventure genre. Yeah. Like romancing the stone yeah. and like there's a bunch of mm, movies definitely, like that. Definitely that one. And I wonder, I mean, what, what do you guys think of this as a genre? Is this just inevitably dated? Like that it was a thing that sort of made sense in the 80s because the filmmakers had experienced this, this stuff from the 40s and 30s. But now we're just, it's Tomb Raider. It's fourth generation. The world is so much smaller now. Mm-hmm. It is hard to, you know, just like you can't make random Arab terrorists. There's not these others that you can, in action films, just attach here. Well, in these films... It's the natives. Like, how offensive is that? (laughs) Even when you're being nice to them, even I'm trying to get the stone back for the natives from the other people who are, I'm talking about Temple of Doom, but you know, who are exploiting something evil out of the past. Still, it's very condescending. It's the white hero (laughs) swooping in. Yeah, the white savior trope. It's amazing because I've just now realized what, an incredible missed opportunity they had with this new film to do a post-colonial take on Indiana Jones and have the movie be about him stealing an artifact from the British Museum and returning it to its That's original That's not a place. bad idea. Yeah. Maybe Phoebe Waller-Bridge could do that in the yes. next one. Belongs in a museum, but only a museum in the country of its origin. That should be added. <laughs> this, no, his big, his big line would be, this doesn't belong in a museum. <laughs> and that's how we have character growth. I think you're right, Mark. Especially now, even since Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it seems more and more weird to make a movie about artifact hunting and antiquarianism. As a genre dated, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a good family action adventure blockbuster movie in a while, but I don't know if that's because the genre doesn't work. That Sandra Bullock movie. Lost L- Yes, exactly. That just came out, and I think that was a pretty big hit. Yeah, as was the Disney's Jungle Cruise. A perhaps less that was respectable a movie, but objectively <laughs> terrible. I'm movie. just saying it's something in the genre. <laughs> it something is. In, I think that audiences still are hungry for stuff like this. I just don't know if they're hungry for Indiana Jones anymore. I don't know that this movie, this current movie, is doing as well as they had hoped. I do think it's one of those movies that is just pure nostalgia. I wish that I could have seen this with my dad, you know, and because that's how I watched it when I was nine years old, seeing Raiders for the first time. You know, when I think about this, let's see. So the first Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's 1980, 1881, right? And so that's 40 years removed from the inspiration. And so now this movie is 40 years removed from the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we're 80 years away from the inspiration that brought this up. I think you're onto something, Mark. I think that just this style of t- storytelling, I think it, it needs to die. I, I think it's time to go. You don't see them making Zorro movies anymore. Like they tried to make a Zorro movie with Antonio Benderas and I believe it was Anthony Hopkins and it, it didn't work. Wasn't very successful. 
this style of storytelling, I just, I think the time has passed. Like, so like things that are descendants of this kind of film are National Treasure, that film with um, Nicolas Cage. Uncharted is a whole game series that's kind of like a child of this. The movie came out, movie wasn't very successful, but the game series is kind of a descendant of this. So I still think that there's a way to do this, but it gets really hard with limited returns. And I'm wondering if maybe it's just time to kind of let this go. Even Dora the Explorer is kind of a descendant of this in a way, right? You know, you got the map, you're looking for treasure, you know, you know, it's kitty, whatever. Like, I love it. I genuinely love this series. And I love movies like this. I'll eat it up with a spoon. I don't think anybody else is. Like, no one who's younger. I, I just don't see why they would continue making these. Particularly when this movie came out. And, like, it has Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And it didn't bomb, but it's not doing great. So, for instance, in Temple of Doom that I just rewatched, there is the sequence of just them eating weird foods. Mm-hmm. And being monkey so, brains. it's yeah, monkey, I mean, chilled monkey brains. And I was as a child that was so effective. That was ew, ew. And now it's just is that a good characterization? Is is that a super racist character? That's super and, offensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shall we talk about how incredibly racist both of the first two films are? Yes. Let's get like, that I, out I, of I, the I way. Whoa, whoa, that's a hot take. Okay, so tell me about the first one because everybody agrees that the second one. The second one's really, really bad. Tell me about the first one. Why do you think the first one's racist? There's a lot of ill-advised makeup going on in the first movie. Mm, it's yeah. all, it's all, it, it's more in that kind of region and the the kind of same take on Arabic people that you see in Aladdin and, and kind of movies. It's not quite as up there and in your face as the monkey brains and so on, but it's very there. Did you watch, Al, any of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles? I only watched the first one and a half episodes, but... Not, not for this, but back in the day I did. It seems very sensitive. I mean, this is like where he's a nine-year-old, I guess, for the first six episodes. And he's, is this the he's, 07 version or the 1992 version? 1992, I believe. I didn't know there was the 07 version. I had no idea there was the 07 There's only version one that's on Disney+. Yeah. Plus. <laughs> that's the 07 version. I'm really confused now. I, they came I, out with the 07, like 2007 version? Yeah, that one's on Disney+. Plus. There was one that came out in 1992. I think that it's it's because it was reworked. I think it's the special edition. So it is the same thing as the old ones. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. But but they removed the narrative device of having elderly, one-eyed indie introducing because this is a thing I wanted to talk about. If they, we really had to care about continuity in these things, it would be way more of a bummer. Like it's already in the new movie, they needed to get rid of Shia LaBeouf from the previous thing so they just like oh he died in the war i thought that was actually really effective yeah well so but there would be much more tragedy like what happens to short round andy you're my best friend two years later you're never mentioned again like what happened you know <laughs> even Didn't he send him to boarding school oh is that <laughs> i read that somewhere on some timeline somebody i mean somebody nah, must have said something about that but back to the original topic this was sort of about He's being carted around by his historian slash archaeologist, whatever, father, scholar, and his mother, and getting to know what Egypt of 1920 or whatever, whenever it's supposed to be taking place, 1910, is like. And some of it's like he's discovering that some people are slaves, and that really sucks. And even though he does wear blackface in episode two because he's trying to disguise himself in an Arab public space, which you really couldn't do. But like, it's very well-intentioned in terms of, no, these local people are not just a bunch of savages that are, you know, spitting their darts at you as you try to escape from stealing their artifact, but they are people. And, you know, he's stumbling into these political situations that he has no real agency over as a young person. I don't think that racism in Indiana Jones movies was ever mean-spirited. Because the joke on like the monkey brain scene is on. <laughs> come on, come on. Was, Al, the joke is on the white people in that scene that like they can't get in with how delicious these monkey brains are. That doesn't make it a good or acceptable joke, but it just. But to Mark's point about like they're trying to be like woke for 1992, they are. It just doesn't stand up very well. 
But there is a lot of condescension toward non-Western cultures in certainly the first two movies. Even just the famous scene of the guy with the sword and Indy just blowing him away. <laughs> and we're meant to laugh at that scene. We're meant to laugh that, that that was the solution to that problem. And there's a lot of that throughout the series. Do we all know the story behind that scene? Yeah, he was sick. He was sick then. Right. Yeah, that was an ad lib. He really needed to poop, and that's why he had to shoot the guy. Not unlike Empire Strikes Back, I love you, I know, that this is just Harrison Ford riffing in the moment and making the most of, you know, he was not involved. And I guess this is very relevant to, do we want this franchise in any form to continue? Does it make sense? If they're modeled after these weekly serials, you should be able to have indefinitely many of them. But the bar was so high with the movies that you couldn't just make indefinitely many of them. And in fact, his script for number three was rejected. This Curse of the Monkey King, Indiana Jones and the Monkey King script. Oh, right. Uh, that I was just reading about today, about how off the wall it was. Nonetheless, like there was a series of novels in the 90s that I heard somebody on YouTube being very effusive about. Clearly with the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, you could crank these out and make it. Part of me just would like this have to have been a warm, comfortable thing that was there continuously and not just like, oh, we've now, you know, every movie has to outdo the last. And so we were inevitably disappointed now by four and five. I'm interested in the Indiana Jones character arc. I'm interested in that, which is why I thought it was so funny in Temple of Dune. They go back in time for that one. So that one's sort of a prequel, right? And that's one, one of many reasons why Crystal Skull was so disappointing is that I'm not really seeing you know, the connective tissue there as much, whereas I did in the fifth one. I felt like the director was finally able to kind of tie up some of these loose ends and also see a fully rounded character in Indy that wasn't really part of the serialized format, right? You know, you're not really seeing that kind of a character change, whereas you are in this particular series. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And it probably explains why this time around the movie I enjoyed most was The Last Crusade, because I, oh, I just really, God, I really enjoyed the bit of character work they did. Yes. It was incredible. That's reminded me of one of the things basically that I hate about modern Hollywood movies, which I think speaks to why, even though it would have been nice to have serialized Indiana Jones movies consistently, at least recently, it probably wouldn't have been on the cards, which is that Hollywood seems allergic now to anything but the highest possible stakes in an action movie. It seems like you can't make a big budget action movie anymore without at least the end of the world being the stakes in the movie. Fast and Furious? <laughs> oh, well, maybe that's an exception. Have they not got to world ending I haven't seen cars? more than number one, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I can stand corrected. But for that kind of franchise to work, you need to be comfortable with building from low stakes to medium stakes to high stakes. And basically since the MCU, which did start with low and medium stakes movies and the the early Iron Man films and so on, but as soon as they started getting big and they were able to put out movies with the world of the universe ending, having earned that over three or four previous films, that just became the standard. And since like 2010, it's almost like a joke now that every single movie is going to end with a world-destroying super weapon. I mean, to be honest... I would prefer for them to do a James Bond kind of Indiana Jones story, you know, where Indiana Jones changes, because that way you're able to kind of keep it fresh, keep it young, keep it vibrant. You can change the format in the same way that James Bond went from really campy to kind of really grounded with uh, Daniel Craig. And I don't know where they're going to go from here, but like you can change the format, play around with it a little bit. With Indiana Jones, they got way too tied to Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford was good. But after the third film, he could have rolled off into the sunset for me because that third film was so perfect. He had Sean Connery. It was just great. It brought it all together. Let's do something different. Let's try something different there after that. Do you think that the story should have ended after the third? Do you think that was... I would have been fine with that. You would have been satisfied with that. Yeah, I would have been happy. Thinking about it now, maybe the biggest tragedy of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is that Shia LaBeouf could absolutely have carried that movie. As, he has more than enough charisma and action he did. like chops to have carried that. He could have been a new Indiana Jones really easily, but like they just couldn't let go forward. Yeah, you're right. Shia LaBeouf, like now he's a little bit of a meme. Like we don't really take him seriously. But like if you look back at him in the Transformers films and him in, oh, what was that movie where he played two characters and like the cyborg or something? Like 
I forgot what it was called. He was really charismatic, really able to kind of hold the frame, do some interesting things in action films. Like he could have been in Indiana Jones if they just like passed the baton. Well, that and the terrible writing decision. That's it. Part of the problem, I think, with Crystal Skull was Eagle that- Eye. Sorry, Eagle Eye. The movie was Eagle Eye. Oh, okay, I was trying you. to think of the name of the movie. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah Lynn. I'm sorry. Go ahead. A little Go ahead. senior moment there, huh, Lawrence? Uh, yeah, a little um, bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it happens to me all the time. But I think the problem with the Shia LaBeouf character is that he and Harrison Ford did not have the same kind of chemistry as the other sidekicks did. And I wanted to see him as a sidekick. I wanted to see him as that quippy character that bounce off of each other, you know, and coming from Sean Connery, like their chemistry was so good. Even Willie, I like when I watched the Temple of Doom as a kid, I thought she was absolutely dead weight. She was so annoying. And in comparison to Marion, I thought she was a whiner. She was materialistic and but now, why are you as, even there? Fide, is, is yeah, the question, exactly. Like, why are you even there? Why? But now, actually, I did a rewatch of that movie, and as many problems as it may have had, you know, just uh, with the upsetting racial stuff, she is hilarious. She's actually hilarious, and they do, I think, have good chemistry too. But I just, I think, one of the major problems with that fourth movie is that both Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf they do not have good chemistry at all and it didn't work that's interesting because while i was watching i thought these two have better chemistry than i remember and now you've just reminded me that i should be comparing it to sean connery and harrison ford which is just a completely different i need to give some controversial takes here from based on so i didn't rewatch razor the lost ark i've seen that so many times i don't need to see that again i sort of remember every frame i would have if i had, had a little more time but people are down on temple of doom i feel like this is the only one that actually deviates from the formula i had a really good time at temple of doom this time It is a good time movie, for sure. Yeah, every single one has a particular, there's the thing, it's out there, and some Nazis are after it, and we have to race them to them to get to it, we have to follow the clues, and this one is just a different thing. He just, like, stumbles into it, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, like, how, how the three of them end up in this place in the first place. I like the fact that it's different, and there should be room for that. That is one thing I actually liked about the new film, is that... It is not linear in the same way. I When I saw number three, I felt like they're trying too hard to make number one again, but with this added Sean Connery element. And I didn't like the romance part. The romance we haven't really talked about through any of these things, but I thought it was creepy. At the time when I was watching it, when it came out, I was like, oh, they're just trying to do something like the chase scene in Raiders, but now they have a tank to make it a little more exciting. And when I rewatched it this time, I felt no tension at any point in watching any of the action sequences. And I actually did with Crystal Skull, even though it's ridiculous. Wait, okay. You mean to tell me that you saw, just to be clear, we're talking about Indiana Jones, the last crusade. That's what we are talking about, right? That, that is the movie I'm talking about. And, and you're saying that you felt no tension in those action scenes. Yes. That was my visceral lack of a visceral experience. Dude, whenever the tank is going and the tank falls off the cliff, That's you felt great- no tension. And he's getting driven into the side of the wall. And I was genuinely thinking, like I was watching it and I remember so clearly thinking, how are you going to get hurt at this one, Indy? And I've seen that film like five times. (laughs) And then, no, and we're not done, Mark. And then they actually go to the place and he has to step out on faith. And then the actual thing, you felt no On that, is that a real prop? I don't know what that was. Did they paint that? uh, It's got to be a matte painting. I thought there were things having to do with the characters and having to do with the plot developments like that, that were really effective the first time that I saw it. But it was more surprise. It was more based on surprise such that once you've seen it once, okay, I I know the surprise now. Whereas I didn't feel like that with any of the other films that it actually mattered. Like, oh, the X marks the spot of where am I going to dig? Like, it's just not that surprise. Mark, 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 Mark. (laughs) We've done quite a few of these at this point, Mark. And I think you just have a really low tolerance for which is not necessarily a bad thing, but for formulaic movies and TV that is shows. True. I, I, I have think a, he might I, be right. I, think I, I have a really right. high tolerance for that kind of thing. So like, it's, for me, if I'm seeing an Indiana Jones movie, I want to see an Indiana Jones movie. And that means yes. action scene at the start. It means there's some kind of artifact, probably in a jungle, whatever, side character, a slightly toxic and probably abusive relationship with a woman. 
and like dash of racial <laughs> insensitivity. That's what I go into the movie theater wanting to see. And they replace a train with a tank. That works for me. So were you disappointed with the new one for th- for that reason, that it lacked some of the, the oh, racial no, insensitivity? About to ruin it. You know what? I'm disappointed with this movie that I literally finished watching it an hour ago and I honestly can't remember enough about it to comment on that. Oh, wow. That's what disappoints mm. me about it. Okay, hold, hold on. Before we go there, Mark, I have a question. Just answer yes or no on this. James Bond, you like those movies? Just yes or no? Not that much. Okay, Overall, you don't like formula. Yeah. Next, Mission Impossible, do you like those movies? More so. I don't super look forward to them. Okay, Al's right. You don't like formula. <laughs> Al's right. Al nailed you. Like, you don't like formula. And I sort of led this off, though, saying that I find formula sort of comfortable, such that if I know that it's coming, like X-Files or whatever, doesn't bother me even though they do it again and again and again. It's just that I think hewing to a formula and trying to outdo yourself and being so pretentious, this is going to be the best thing, you know, are not very compatible. Following on from that, in my view, the biggest problem with Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull is that they tried to deviate from the formula, but in entirely the wrong way. The way they fucked up in the Crystal Skull is I think one of the most interesting movie fuck-ups of all time from a philosophical point of view. I want to go around the table and just see, does anybody disagree with me that it is wrong that aliens are real in the Indiana Jones world? I I didn't have a problem with that. (laughs) You didn't have a problem with that. That's really interesting. No, because all the other weird stuff is real. There's voodoo that's real in the movie too. Like My view is that in, in Indiana Jones, what's real is like religious mythology Mm-hmm. is the stuff that is secretly real. Yeah. And yeah, in my view, bringing in aliens into Indiana Jones is like bringing... It's like bringing enchiladas to a Thanksgiving. It just felt like a different it's genre. It's ancient aliens. I remember being fascinated by, as a kid, reading some book that was like, ancient aliens built the pyramids. Or like, you know, these kind of thing was part of the richness no. of the mystery of the past to me as a nostalgic thing. But the mistake they made is that the real, like, in, in-universe explanation from Indiana Jones should have been what we think are aliens are actually some kind of ancient Mayan deity who are yeah. real. Because we've established that... I agree yeah. with Dal on this point. They were also interdimensional beings. They were not aliens, as they clarified. It's like having They're aliens alien. and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's just the wrong, it's the wrong yeah. mythology. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And it did feel weird. I mean, and then they zip up in their spaceship. <laughs> Indiana Jones watches this flying source of just, yeah, zoom up out of the jungle. And it's absolutely... Part of what makes Indiana Jones compelling is that it takes, like, belief systems and, like, takes them seriously. Like, and, and, and like, it mm-hmm. makes them, like, it imbues them with, like, reality. You know, so, like, the Jesus stuff is actually not a myth. It's, like, real. You know, Ark of the Covenant is actually real. And then, of course... With the second film, it's not a Western tradition, but, you know, it's actually real what they believe. The whole aliens thing, I think Mark is, uh, Al, Mark, I think uh, Al is right that the whole aliens thing is kind of out of left field and not consistent with what Indiana Jones has been doing for the first three films. And it kind of ruins it. I think he's right about that. The last movie kind of makes the same mistake, but not in as egregious a way, I think. Okay, you guys have been tip tap like tap dancing. Are you guys ready to do go into this movie? Talk about this damn movie. This point will apply to the new movie. Is both the last two movies dealt with nostalgia about a different era? It wasn't the the 30s. It was the 50s and now the late 60s. And actually, those still work because it's a long damn time ago. And even movies that I see now that are nostalgic about the 80s and recreate things from the 80s. There's still something very, it's maybe not exactly Indiana Jones flavored, but the fact that in the 80s we were watching Romancing the Stone and watching Indiana Jones and you could still go off, there wasn't cell phones, so you could still go off in the jungle. Like, I think you could actually do a version of Indiana Jones that is even later, you know, that you could have Helena or whatever. You don't have to go, it would be the creed to Rocky as opposed to what I thought it was going to be of, Let's tell more stories from the point of view of the original Apollo Creed, or in this case, some competitor with, uh, <laughs> you know, something else that the world of Indiana Jones could just be the 30s and 40s. But I like the idea of actually trying to do nostalgia with these more modern things. And so I think that Spielberg and Lucas's decision to like, we're going to do something with the A-bombs. We're going to do something with the alien scare of the 50s was actually pretty smart. Maybe you didn't like the way it was executed 
But I, I agree. I, yeah, I think conceptually. And then as a matter of the actual thing that you witnessed at the end, like I sort of remember in the theater, yeah. that thing where the, the skulls all, it whips around and it be, makes one live alien. Like I thought that was pretty damn cool. And then, you know, the spaceship coming up and ruin everything. I don't remember exactly what I felt at that point, but I was not like, oh, this is so lame. Like, no, it was surprising. It had the spectacle that was required. It wasn't as good as people's faces melting in <laughs> Raiders no, Lost Ark. What is? I mean, I have no <laughs> I have no problems with none of what you mentioned I thought was bad. Just the the thing that ruins my immersion and really ruined that movie for me is that the Indiana Jones franchise has spent three movies convincing us elaborately that like the Ark of the Government is a real thing with magic powers and the Holy Grail similarly and there the are like knights and so on. So we've already bought into it's already done the work to buy us into that. And it not only did it not do enough of the work to have us then buy into aliens, it didn't need to. It was like wasted effort. It's just forcing the audience to imagine that a whole bunch of other stuff is true when you already have the fantasy resources in universe to tell exactly that story. You just have them not be aliens. Isn't that a more interesting movie? If it's like the, no, it turns out it's not the new what's out there. It's what's old and what was here all along. That that's what's interesting. I want to stop and tell you about Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean. I really like when we sponsor meal kits on these shows because they send me food. It's wonderful. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. We're talking high quality nutritionist approved recipes with clean ingredients, no artificial colors, sweeteners, high fructose corn syrup, limited added sugar, limited processed ingredients. You got certified organic whole fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, lean proteins like turkey, sockeye salmon, plenty of whole grain options. They've got more than 50 weekly menu and market items. I just made the chickpea salad sandwiches with charred cranberries, walnuts, and curry-spiced carrot fries, which is so much more elaborate a thing than I would put together. Even if I was delving into cookbooks myself, going to the grocery store and getting the stuff, but it was simple. In addition to dinner like that, they have nutritious grab-and-go breakfasts. They've got brunch kits, 10-minute lunches with no cooking required, ready-to-eat snacks. It is always easy to find something new and adventurous. There are options for every lifestyle. Recipes to help you manage your weight, support your wellness goals, without just eating straight potatoes, which is what I might otherwise do. There are meals with under 700 calories. There are protein-packed meals with at least 40 grams of protein on average per serving. And I exclusively get the vegetarian or vegan meals. And the whole thing is ridiculously convenient with options ready in less than 30 minutes. And with your pre-portioned prepped ingredients delivered right to your door, you are massively reducing food waste. Now, I've talked about HelloFresh on the show before. Just so you know, Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh. They're both great. I like switching between them and am happy to be able to offer you discounts on both brands. Go to greenchef.com slash PMP50. Use the code PMP50 to get 50% off free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash PMP50. Code PMP50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. What's the real science behind all the popular UFO claims on television? What's the true history behind today's growing beliefs in Atlantis, the flat earth theory, and ancient aliens? And when you take away the media hype, what do scientists really say about COVID-19 and global warming? Since 2006, the Skeptoid podcast has been revealing the true science, true history, and true facts behind more than 800 of our most popular urban legends and mysteries. Each episode of Skeptoid looks at a famous story you know and reveals the part of it you haven't heard. Check out episodes covering mysteries such as popular ghost stories, famous UFO cases, alternative science claims, cryptids and urban legends or conspiracy theories find out why the truth behind these popular legends is even more interesting listen wherever you get your podcast just search for skeptoid that's s-k-e-p-t-o-i-d or visit skeptoid.com for full transcriptions of the entire catalog what was so great about the first three movies is that and actually and i think for this fifth one too is that in the end the object that they're all clamoring for the bad guys end up losing at the end because of their hubris, right? For one reason or another. Whereas Indiana Jones knows what makes him so smart is that he knows he doesn't know everything. 
you know, there's that thirst for knowledge and the thirst for doing what's right. But there's also, he doesn't have a bollocks appetite for having the thing and being able to see this thing for himself or the chalice, you know, going for the cup and not understanding that it needs to stay where it needs to stay, you know, that kind of thing. And I didn't see that much in the fourth one with Kate Blanchett's character because she was as thirsty for knowledge as Indiana Jones was. It was still formulaic in that all the bad guys got killed by the MacGuffin. Of course. And Indiana's really did not. Something else I didn't like about Crystal Skull was how unclear it was what was going on when Kate Blanchett got eviscerated by the, the MacGuffin. Was it like that the alien didn't like her and decided to kill her? Yeah, or was I it that he gave her the knowledge and it was too much for her? Yeah, or? and that she turns to a being of pure energy and gets sucked into the spaceship or something. Yeah. Anyway, nobody, I'm sure... If I had not defended this film, as I thought a reasonably good watch, the other other thing to talk about in regards to that is, so one other formula, part of the formula is the creepy crawlies and uh, is having, did you like the ants at all? They're CGI ants. I still thought it was a pretty terrifying thing. Wait, 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 wait. There's ants in the new movie? No. I'm talking about, still talking about Crystal Skull. This is the why people hate Crystal Skull. What's going on? No. Crystal Skull is, is much, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is much more interesting to talk about than the new movie, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the, the, I've forgotten about that yet. Do you remember in the, the first shot of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull is that fucking gopher, and then the gophers reappear yes. at several points? Like, that's yes. why CGI doesn't work in Indiana Jones. It's movie, not very necessary. I don't know. I what, didn't like what the, that. I didn't was like about. the answer. Is this Caddyshack? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But what was so great about the snakes is I remember just absolutely gobbling up all of the behind the scenes stuff. And so learning how they did that trick and learning how the stunt guy goes underneath the Jeep and, you know, learning about all of those tricks was so much fun. And, you know, the CGI ants weren't particularly scary because they just didn't look very real. And I knew that those snakes were real, you know, or at least the one that he was staring at, you know, through the glass. (laughs) But I would much rather, you know, with the practical effects, that's far more, at least for me, effective with all of the creepy crawlies. Like the eels in this last movie, they move so quickly. And I just didn't find that underwater sequence particularly scary at all that was at least the new element yes so let's open this palette up to we've got a less formulaic or you know it doesn't follow the formula as exactly with the new introducing the new characters we're also introducing sort of new backstory and but you got your that's got to be the longest intro action sequence of any of these things and like if that was just the film by itself even though it's doing and you could still make these after harrison ford is dead frankly (laughs) <laughs> with the different you act, really could. You know, would you have liked that? Okay, like now but before before you go, guys, go too far. Sure. Now, I've heard that that opening sequence is all CGI AI. Um, Harrison Ford is that the true? De-aging. It's just yeah. his face. But I, I I don't know if a different guy did the stunts. That's not what I want. I See, actually thought this, it looked pretty good. Nah, that's not what I want. Th- that's not giving me what I want. Like. I want an I want an Indiana Jones movie that is grounded with the real guy jumping around, sweating, doing crap. I don't want no AI CGI de-aged Irishman kind of action sequence. That's not what I want. And that's part of the reason why I'm so happy that I made Al watch this movie and I didn't watch this movie because I would have <laughs> walked out of that movie very upset. If I just if I just started off my entire journey with this film looking at CGI Harrison Ford, that's not what you want. So my husband and I just argued about this right before we got on the podcast. He thinks it would have been better just to hire a younger actor, a different person, give one more actor some work to do that first sequence. That's right. And then have Indy come in as his old. And I disagree. I thought actually it looked great. I thought this technology has come a long way. I think they should have aged up a dead River Phoenix aged up to that. No! <laughs> I'm just, I'm just oh, What is wrong with that is dark. <laughs> oh that is my dark. God. Too oh. far. Too far. He was so good. Oh my God. Probably the answer is you just don't make the movie that way where you have to make that choice. Have the opening scene be something else because we didn't need, we did, I don't, did we need 
Yeah, we did need that. Like to have old Indiana Jones, he couldn't have just like met Toby Jones and them talked about it. I mean, that works for a lot of previous. No, show, don't tell. The only action scene in Indiana Jones is never, rarely, if like, correct me if it ever is, but I don't think it ever is about the actual big MacGuffin in question. It's just, it's an unrelated. Not really. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. Because the closest you get is part three where that cross kind of leads to what happens, but it's really not what it's about. So it does get grounded. And this is something people have complained about. I just was looking through videos about this and there's one by the Pitch Meetings is a YouTube series and he's going through and describing as if they're doing a pitch meeting for Indiana Jones. The, hey, we're going to have this really old guy. It's the guy that you've you know had all these fantasies about and been able to live vicariously, but we're going to show him just looking like absolute shit and has been dr- driven and, and they do <laughs> rejoice in having him walk around like an old crotchety guy in an undershirt complaining to his neighbors <laughs> about playing the Beatles psychedelic music too loud. And I thought that was great. I thought like Me that too. is how age should be treated in film. It is not shitting on our nostalgia because it was all just wish fulfillment in the first place. He was always getting punched in the face and things going wrong. So having these, I mean, Sarah, Sarah, you were saying that it was kind of effective to actually have him down so low his son is dead his wife has left him you like 100%. that okay. yeah that gave us some place to go and i like starting off low like that and it gives the helena character also has meaning i think as they bounce off of each other and there are so many good parallels between her and indiana jones and his relationship with his father i just i really actually liked that dynamic a lot as imperfect as i think number five was i really liked her addition to the story. And I liked the the kid in it too. I thought he was pretty good as well. Yeah. What did you guys think of the sidekick characters in this one? I thought Phoebe Waller-Bridge was my favorite part of the movie. I thought she, she was tremendous. Well, she's good in anything she's in. Yeah. She is. She is good in anything, it turns out. And the kid was okay. The kid was okay. Yeah. I wasn't hugely annoyed by any, anyone in this, in this movie. <laughs> he was no short round. Just high price. How could somebody no be short round, short round no be short so... Round. So cute and so dramatically effective, yet so offensive just by his existence. It's a thing of its time. It really is. It's a beautiful trifecta, honestly. But but <laughs> wait a minute. So I, I haven't seen the movie. You're telling me that the hopeful Indiana Jones ends up like his kid dies, which is tragic. That happens. His wife leaves him. He's a crotchety old man. Y'all enjoyed this shit? And he's retired. I think actually that's a really profound theme, this his sense of irrelevancy, you know, as people are looking forward to the future, he's still looking in the past. And I thought that was such a juicy theme to explore in this, in this particular movie. Did they do enough with it? I don't think they did enough with that theme. It really was there for the plumbing. He's just looking at, oh, technology today. People excited about the astronauts and they don't care about me. It was more like just him looking at stuff for a few scenes. Hmm. It wasn't even like that they made a lot of explicit about it. And also, like, what kind of fucking mm. professional historian isn't excited about the moon landings? And like the way they chose to show that he was like out of step with the current zeitgeist is everyone's watching the moon landings. I already know aliens are real. I've seen an alien a spaceship <laughs> in the last movie. I think they were pretending like that whole that ten years ago didn't exist in this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. <laughs> I don't think you'd even have him have a son if you you know it's all canon for sure, absolutely. But again, it goes to the sort of how continuity is treated. As we've had more mm-hmm. Star Wars things, people have gotten very. There has to be continuity. We have to understand everything. Oh, they introduced Palpatine in the last movie. Now we have to have some scrambling for the next decade of media to explain mm-hmm. how Palpatine was actually there the whole time. You know, but nobody gives about that. You know, if so, if you had kept Indiana Jones as an old guy with one eye narrating his thing, you know, from the original conception of India, then you would have had to have some property that has him losing an eye. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to see that? Does that happen after this film? <laughs> The one-eyed indie from 1992 was 90-something years old. So, If it was a household accident or something. That's, <laughs> that's what it has to be. He's retired, so it was a gardening accident. 
And the, 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 oh, the rock <laughs> whipped up in accident. his eye. <laughs> a snowblower accident. Oh. <laughs> is he in the Lower East Side? Is that where he's living now? I, I, is that where he was living? I wasn't sure what part of New York he was living in. I know he was teaching originally in a college in Connecticut, and then he ended up at Hunter in New York City and living in New York City. I was trying to figure out what part of town he was in. I don't think they put any thought whatsoever into what you're asking. I don't think they thought about it at all. I, not I really. disagree. Yeah, I bet they put a lot of thought into it. If you're going to be nostalgic about New York and parades going in New York, like I'm sure you're thinking about that stuff, but I'm not a New York guy. I, I don't care. Maybe I'll have to do a rewatch. <laughs> Look at what subways are, are in, in this neighborhood. Would you have felt have Subway in uh, 1960s? Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. I was Subway's- making a joke about the sandwich <laughs> shop, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to have some, some, some product placement. In, <laughs> in a, some vintage product placement. That would have been kind of cool. One of our theaters here in town did a big screening of the first four Indiana Jones movies last summer. And we went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and we brought my daughter, who's 19, and her friend to see the movie. And, you know, my daughter's known that this movie is my favorite and yada, yada, yada. We get out of the movie theater. And I remember when I got out of the movie theater when I was nine that I couldn't stop talking about it. I had big, huge eyes about it. I was just like so excited about this movie and I couldn't wait to go back to the movie theater and see it all over again. And both my daughter and her friend, I was like, what did you think? And they sort of said, oh, it was goofy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's it? I mean, I know that there's, yeah. it is goofy for sure, but Things that's have it? changed. Things have changed. First question, were you 19 when you saw this movie for the first time? I don't think you probably right, were. Right, you are not. not. You're, you weren't born in But in, in 89, then. I was a teenager and saw and saw it again. You know, I mean, and I had already had that history with the first two movies, but still, they were very blasé about it. Gen Z, I think, is very blasé about this whole series. They've seen so much. Like, they've seen a lot that either riffs off of it. So, like, when you saw it the very first time, it was like, kicking a door down and like shining a light. Yes. I'd never seen anything like it. They've seen so many things that riff off of it and like build upon it and like try to take it to the next level. Like you go back to the original, they're going to be like, eh, it's fine. I guess two things. One, the pacing of movies one and three is a little old school. Mm-hmm. They're kind of mm-hmm. long. <laughs> they're, they're, in in they're, other words, it's slow as hell and you're right. Right. Actually, movie two is not. Movie two yeah, is like compacted and, and, and it's yeah. getting into it. And I, do, I, I think they were more aware. This new one didn't seem as long as it could have been. I didn't have to take a bathroom. And yet, it's, is it not the longest Indiana it's Jones movie by like some distance? Like two hours and 20 minutes or something, Yeah, right? it didn't seem crazily long. They could have easily bloated this thing, and they didn't. So I'm really excited about that. I think it probably <laughs> I feel like it they did. felt like the pacing. I feel like they made some cuts there. Mm. I, I bet that this movie was a lot longer than it than it is. That's why I didn't, I think they could have just done without most of the first 45 minutes or something. But I know it's wishful thinking to ask that someone makes a 90-minute action movie, but I don't think this movie needed to be two and a half hours. Again, it's it's because the stakes, because these only come out every once in a while, mm-hmm. and the stakes have to be so big, you know, that you're just not going to make mm-hmm. Avatar 2 be a 90-minute movie. If you went into it, I'm going to make Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. I've got them all planned and they can all be a hundred minutes long. Like it seems actually that is a reasonable strategy for something like a property like that. But one of the things that made, I was going to bring up Steven Spielberg because I think it's important to talk mm-hmm. about Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. when we're talking about like nostalgia and the reasons why movies like this, like don't exist yeah. anymore or don't work anymore. We're really talking about the kind of movie making that, I mean, Lawrence, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the kind of movie making that Steven Spielberg invented or at least kind of became the most prominent maker of. Who's a director who's pushing forward like blockbuster cinema now in the way that Spielberg did did in the 80s and early 90s? J.J. Abrams. We thought J.J. Abrams was going to, but J.J. Abrams like crashed and bombed. Yeah, that's true. During the time of like Super 8, it was J.J. Abrams. During the first Star Wars movie... Um, the first of the new trilogy. It was J.J. Abrams. Now, I don't know who it is, honestly. Michael Bay. Michael Bay is the man. Michael well, Bay is not, he's not doing what Spielberg did, though. That was a question of like, how are these action movies different than a Michael Bay movie? Like, at least 
we didn't have the degradation in these. Maybe some people that's, that's their problem with Crystal Skull or something is is they think that it went the way of Transformers or or you know that just overly loud. But I don't feel like they did that. I feel like Spielberg would never do that. And Mangold was really trying to ape Spielberg. Yeah, he was. You know, so it's not going to be just as bad as an action movie can be. Crystal Skull went bad because of the same reason that all of Spielberg's movies that he was making around that time went bad. It, like hmm. Tintin and those kind of movies, hmm. there's a lot of the same kind of weird choices that he was making around that time. One thing that struck me about watching Raiders again on the big screen was just like how it was set piece after set piece after set piece, and they all moved relatively fast. And there was also an element of humor to mm-hmm. those set pieces. Whereas I felt that was one thing that was missing in this last film. You know, we didn't we didn't need to see too much, certainly not in Crystal Skull. We did not need to see as many people talking for as long as they did in that in that movie. But one thing that it did have, you know, at the beginning it had a really fun car chase. And the car chases, I felt in the fifth film weren't nearly as engaging for me. And I think it's because it lacked the pacing that Steven Spielberg had, as well as the humor. It was a little more like Born Identity kind of, or you yes. know, James Bond, the recent James that Bond kind movie. kind of quick cutting and stuff like that. Yeah, where you knew it was like, okay, there's somebody going you know, really fast in an actual car, and then there they are against a green screen, <laughs> you know? I mean, it was kind of obvious when they would make those cuts, whereas it was less, I wasn't thinking about that at all. It's certainly in the first and third movies. So I wonder if the disappointment with the new movies is just the normal, these are things that we really liked as a young person. Now, the first one that comes out when you're old enough to actually have critical faculties, you're inevitably going to be disappointed by. Like, I wonder what actual little kids thought of Crystal Skull in this new movie, you know, insofar as they're not just blase about all of them. Like, are do little kids feel the same way that like, oh, yes, one and two and three are so good and four and five are crap? I don't know. I have not done that survey, but I'm wondering if this is like another case of George Lucas making episode one and being like, these are movies for kids. You Gen Xers that are bitching about this just don't get that. And so screw you. <laughs> you know? There's something disingenuous about that because the audience, and maybe George Lucas's audience for that movie was like children, but the studio's audience for that movie is people who love the first set of Star Wars movies. And it's the same thing here, right? The target for the people who were supposedly going to go and see this Indiana Jones movie are people who watched Indiana Jones movies for quite a long time. Maybe they take their children. It's the grown-ups you're trying to impress. I think the new movie respects that more, but I think this was the case with Crystal Skull, a lot of it, is that the things people were reacting to is like, oh, you could never survive being in a moving fridge like that, or or let's just look at those unrealistic <laughs> things he's doing. Lined. He's got one foot on one car and one foot on the other car. Like, There's nothing <laughs> that as ridiculous or the thing that I remember catching me in the theater is Shia LaBeouf's character has been thrown out of the chase, but now he's discovered vines and can somehow swing from vine to vine <laughs> and catch up with the chase. And mm-hmm. I just like, I don't buy this. This is with a not, whole bunch of monkeys. Well, with, with monkeys, yes. with yes. monkeys, which is with so CGI over monkeys. The top. I was just, I just want to talk about that, the nuclear thing with the fridge, because the fridge thing bought that completely. What confused me more than anything was here's this like military installation. And I assume this is a reference to something that probably actually happened in Nevada. Like they like built replica American town to see what would happen, how it would be affected by a nuclear they blast. Do that. But, but in this instance, what they did was build this really elaborate American town right next to the blast zone. So everything immediately just got completely <laughs> destroyed. So like, you know what's going to happen if you put a working TV 20 feet from where a nuclear bomb's going to go off. Why did you do that? <laughs> because it looked great on television. Okay, first of all... It looked great on, on, on film. <laughs> I'm going to give a controversial take. We can talk about this much later on in the podcast. But we're, I we're, have we're gone in the last back. five minutes here. But <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm talking about like in, in another episode. Another oh, okay. episode. But I genuinely love... I didn't when I first saw them. I love their prequel series, Star Wars. We can talk about that later. Oh. But I genuinely, like, when I first okay. saw it, when I first saw it, I was disappointed. Going back and watching that and watching the development of Anakin, I really love that prequel series. We talked about that later on, though. Next, are you guys going to tell me how this damn movie ends? Like, like, does he die? Like, is he old? I think maybe we should not, let's not reveal, let's not are reveal we that spoiler. Are coming back on Monday to talk about it? What are you no. doing? 
I'm, I'm just going to say they, they missed the opportunity for a good ending. Oh. They didn't kill they him? Walk right, they walked right past a good ending. I mean, I guess, Sarah Lynn, you know what I'm talking about. But like, I if they do. committed to that and if they made the movie about Why? that, I Tell me what the hell happened. Really Tell well. me what happened. I I'm, I'm about to Google it. I'm about to no, Google no, it. What no, happened? No, no, no. Don't Tell Google me what happened. Don't Google it. What happened? We're not going to no, tell you, Lawrence, no, and we're not, and we're not going to tell them the audience because we've got this far without... This is for the listeners. They've seen it. Tell me what happens. We've managed to get this far without talking about because most of this movie is really, really boring, but the last 10, <laughs> 15 minutes of it really saved it for me because it's so insane. I thought it was great. And, I don't yeah. want to talk about what it is because well, they, we've got this far without mentioning it. You they guys are terrible. I don't well, like you've probably guys. heard. They, they telegraphed like that there is Sarah, going to be... I don't like you. I don't like you, Al. I don't like you, Mark. I'm very upset with all of you guys. I'm well, done. I like you, Lawrence. Whatever. I like you and I want you to watch the movie. They telegraph <laughs> right from the beginning of the movie that there will be, that this is a time travel device that they're trying to find. So you know, but you don't know if there's actual tension of like what's actually going to happen. Like where are they going to go exactly? You know, so that I don't want to spoil because it actually is something that I appreciate that they went there. I don't know. I didn't find I it I want ridiculous. to talk about the ending as, is this a proper send off for this character and for the series. So I really want you to watch it before we talk about it, Lawrence. Okay. So we'll, you we'll like- at the end of next discussion, when we're talking about Black Mirror, we'll revive, we'll come back. To before this. we finish okay. this up, this movie has bombed at the box office. It is doing mm. flash numbers, like just barely better <laughs> little, than Flash. A little better. Barely better than Flash numbers. And they talk about Flash. Million they talk about Flash being a complete bomb, and they're not talking about this movie being a bomb. This movie is bombing. All right, so the Indiana Jones series is probably done now. It's over. Like the way that the way this is performing, no one wants to watch this. Do you think that the movie is worth? How do I say this? Is the movie bad enough for it to be bombing this bad? Al, what do it's you think? It's still the number one movie. Let me just say that it's still the number one movie that's out right yeah. now. Yeah. But, but, but it's still wait, a bomb. Wait, 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 the wait, wait, wait. the so number the, one movie, I, but it's still bombing. It's bombing. It may be the number one movie, but no one's going to watch it, really. My explanation is going to touch on both of those points because I just think, I don't think people want to go to the theater anymore. You may be you right. You need a really good, and and that's exactly what, what I'm like. I've got a really nice TV and a really nice hi-fi <laughs> in my flat. And I waited a really long time to have that kind of hi-fi set up in my life. And I don't want to <laughs> go... That's great, man. Somewhere. I've got snacks and drinks and things. I've got everything I need here. I've got my dog here. I just want to watch a movie here. And that's why I would. I think people these days need a really, really special reason to go to the movies. And it usually is going to involve nostalgia, but also going to involve a, like, a really seriously good experience being promised at the end of it. So I went to see the new Spider-Man movie, and that delivered 100%. Really glad I went to see that in a theater. But that is probably one of two or three movies that I'll see in a theater this year and everything else I'm going to watch at home because it's just a nicer way to watch movies. And I, I really think that's the problem. More people are like me. I guess we'll see if they if they proclaim everything else, if Barbie or whatever is also a failure this summer. Oh, then they'll just see the something. Barbie movie in this. In this. Oh, I can't wait for the Barbie movie. No, Barbie should do well. Barbie should do it. But, but I mean, so I think that what Al is saying is, is like on track. So Fast X didn't bomb, but didn't do very well. Little Mermaid didn't bomb, but didn't do very well. Uh, what else? Transformers. I thought that was a really good movie. Didn't bomb, but didn't do very well. Right. And so you're right. That there's this trend now. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. That was a transcendent kind of movie. That was a transcendent experience. And so that mm-hmm. movie did very, very that well. That movie is really special. But everything else is really underperforming. And so I think Barbie will probably do well. I don't think that Mission Impossible is going to like knock the door down and like be a complete you know, unbelievable experience. It Oppenheimer, looks good. It does. Oppenheimer looks like it's going to like open low, but it should probably have legs and should probably mm-hmm. kind of stand around. But I think that what Al is saying is right, that people just aren't going to the movies anymore. And so our pre-pandemic like patterns of doing things have just changed. And I think that maybe we need to kind of reckon with that because I think things are going to ultimately be this way for a while. But don't you think there's nothing like going to a theater, a packed theater, and seeing something together? That experience, no matter how great a TV and you know hi-fi system you have, you can't replicate that experience of seeing a movie in a theater with a bunch of strangers. I understand I why it. people enjoy that. But I 
don't. When I go to the theater, it's in spite of the fact that there's going to be other people there, not, not because of it. Fair enough. As my closing thought, I want to, yes. So I decided sort of last minute that I wanted to go on 4th of July. I reached out to my extended family that lives in town. So my brother-in-law and his son, Dylan, and then his mother. So my mother-in-law, my wife's mother, had only seen the first movie. She likes action movies, strangely. She likes like Rambo and stuff. <laughs> but Whereas her husband does not. <laughs> but So she came, she had only seen the first Raiders, and she was delighted by this new film. So if, you know, a 70-some-year-old, maybe that's the target audience, is a 70-some-year-old yeah. who's only ever seen the first movie and but generically likes bad action films. It definitely <laughs> felt like an Indiana Jones movie. It, I felt, felt like it delivered on a lot of the right notes. <laughs> Al, <laughs> you say something nice about the movie. <laughs> said something so nice about the movie. I said that I said Phoebe okay, Waller Bridge right. was a delight, and in fact, in fact, let's have Phoebe Waller Bridge just be the new Indiana Jones. Let's do that. When's Phoebe? When's Phoebe Waller Bridge gonna get a get a leading role in a film? That's an issue we haven't covered. But you know, as I was looking at YouTube takedowns of this new movie and stuff, it's sort of the same problem that people had with Ray or whatever. Is like, oh, this is so woke. You got to have a young, you know. And I remember reading a, an article of like. Yes, have the next indie B female. Have her be a woman of color because, like, that's just whatever. So it's the same dynamic that we have with every other property now. Of mm-hmm. on the one hand, people trying to make up for the white male dominance in the action space, and then an equal number of people who were fans of the original thing completely rolling their eyes at that and saying the new movie is shit because of that because they don't like Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this role. I thought she was fine. Why don't they like Phoebe Waller-Bridge in this role? <laughs> I mean, they're just wrong. She was great. Just a fanboy more on Phoebe Waller-Bridge for a second. The strategy of let's make Indiana Jones or the Indiana Jones character like a a woman of color, and that's how we make this franchise relevant again, I think is doomed to failure. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge shouldn't be the new Indiana Jones, but she should get a lead role in like an action series because she can clearly do that. And she has already shown with the series that she's created the way you go about making new quality material, which is relevant and like entirely original both Fleabag and Killing Eve are both absolutely fantastic incredibly up to the minute relevant and don't involve trying to kind of hoist the corpse of a defunct franchise (laughs) over the shoulder Mm -hmm. of of some Mm. relevant new person the political problem with Indiana Jones isn't just that Harrison Ford is white man it's that the movie was made the first movie was made in 1980 so the entire kind of cultural and political background of the franchise can't escape from that route. And in some sense, it's silly to try. And that's what makes like the diehard fans annoyed. But it also is never going to get you where you want to go if you want to genuinely make something new and relevant, because it's always going to be shackled to that original baggage. It is interesting that they made Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character in this kind of amoral, at least to start with, that maybe she would have a redemption arc or something, but that she's just trying to get money for the artifacts. It would have been interesting if they had, I don't know, I could see a different filmmaker needing to show more overtly how out of touch Indy is, right? If this was a Clint Eastwood film or something, there would have been some anti-trans comment or something just to show like, yes, he's an old guy. He's irredeemable in some way. But nobody wants that out of Indy. Like he has to be actually, actually well, nice. He likeable. does think that the Beatles music is too loud. There you go. That's as far as risky as we go. Oh my goodness. Imagine him right. listening oh. to hip hop. Oh my goodness. If they were playing loud disco, uh, you know, from the time or, or whatever the soul, late 60s soul, mm-hmm. that would have been a different, a different statement. <laughs> there were like 20 seconds in the movie where one of the villains is having a conversation with a, is a waiter or someone working in the hotel who's black. And that is the only point in the movie when they suggest that maybe the 60s isn't perfect. And that yeah. was really interesting to me. They were so soft about the 60s. Right. Show that the that Nazi is a so racist. well played. That-, <laughs> that was a great scene. All right. So ultimately, just yes or no, should I watch the film? Yeah, because you just done a podcast about yes. it. <laughs> yes. I think rather you should use the dial of destiny to go back and get out of the car and watch the film before coming in here. Yeah. But now <laughs> we get to see. Thank you for saying something that I have no idea what the hell you're talking about because I haven't seen the movie. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs>
the one thing I would do is go back and not see Crystal Skull. <laughs> did not ruin my experience. Are, do you are you guys familiar with the South Park thing that when Crystal Skull came out? Mm-hmm. Oh not, God, I'm yes, not, I'd no, forgotten all about it until you just remembered it. It's horrible. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll link to that for people. You can you can Google it yourself. Yeah, send it to me, Mark. Send it to me, Mark. I want to see it. I think that's one of the few jokes that Matt Stone and Trey Parker have since publicly apologized for. <laughs> wow, I need I, I need to watch this. This is crazy. <laughs> all right, we'll see if who among us has time to talk for a few minutes about other things or we're going to be back minutes. next week. I got week. a few minutes. I got a few minutes. All right. If you want to hear that after talking, it's at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. We really need some more patrons here. Come on. Step up. Come on, We do guys. this. We, we work hard for your entertainment and to make sense of things for ourselves in our lives of why we're watching all these things. And I don't you know, you're hard. not getting the full experience. We reveal the deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. What else can we say? to plug these things. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Thanks for your Bye. support. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life podcast network, and it's also presented by openculture.com.